This is the Transmission Times. Last week we went on our first holiday this year. I'm gonna call it a holiday, but it's actually like three nights, four days in uh, Bucharest, the capital of Romania. We have friends there and we got an Airbnb with that big terrace so we could like meet at our place too and hang out there. As soon as we arrived there, I started cleaning the whole apartment and disinfecting everything. And it was the first time I kind of realized that I was so carefree before about anything. Like I wouldn't even think about like the remote control or the bed sheets I'm sleeping in or the towels that I'm using, like anything. I would be totally carefree about all these things. And now it took me, I think, two hours to wipe out all the handles, everything, all the switches, to change the sheets. Ugh. And they had hardwood floors and I couldn't find anything to wipe the floors with. So I kind of, I was so tired, I think it was 10 in the evening and I just sprayed a solution I had on me, like a disinfectant on the floors and they got stained. When I started telling people like, hey, they were asking me like, what do you do? Did you arrive safe? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just scrubbing the floor because I messed it up. And most of them knew somebody who went through that and they had all these tips. It was nice to kind of know that I'm not the only one. <laughs> My family just got back from a cross-country trip. We went out to Idaho to visit some family and drove back across Wyoming, Montana, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Ohio, and then back to Pennsylvania where we live. There was so much less fear of getting the virus, of getting sick. You met people who got sick and they're like, yeah, it sucked but I'm feeling really great now. Or you met some people that are like, well, I haven't gotten sick. I'm not worried about it. It's just, there was such a lightness about it. And I'm like, I want to live out here. <laughs> and I'm seriously considering, my husband and I are talking, what would it be like to live out in one of those states where there aren't the mask mandates. There's a sense of liberty and freedom around, you know, do what makes you feel comfortable, right? My husband wears a mask. It makes him feel comfortable. I generally don't, and we've found peace in that. It's been challenging, but we've found peace in that. And this sense of, you know, just, you can't control the people. Don't try to, don't expect to. Don't use shame and fear to try to control people to do what you think they should do, because you just, you can't control people. All you can do is control yourself. I knew when people were forced to stay home were forced to isolate. For people who are well-connected online, life goes on somewhat similarly, and in some cases, it goes on just normally with more Zoom meetings. But there's a marginal population that gets by just because everyone else is a little better off. They can spend a little bit more, which doesn't seem to be any sacrifice when they stop spending that. But that little more was the stuff that would feed into these smaller service area 
people's lives. And that's dried up. We went to the souvenir shop and they had lots of t-shirts and mugs and the sign on the door says, you got to wear a mask. So we go into the store and I saw the people who work there were not wearing a mask. And I said, is it okay if I take off my mask? And they're like, yeah, it's your discretion. The owner says it's at your discretion. I was like, okay, thanks. And that was the first I'd seen that. At the very beginning of all of this, it was probably, I don't know, end of March, beginning of April. I was pregnant at the time and... I remember I was in the kitchen cooking and we have a mud room that leads into our kitchen and I had been cleaning that day so right on the threshold of the mud room and the kitchen was our vacuum cleaner. So I'm in the kitchen cooking and I see our neighbors in our driveway talking to my husband and I just felt all of my anxiety just whoosh, just rise up within me. I was like sweating, right? The adrenaline rush was so instant and so real. A million thoughts start racing through my head at the time. It's, do they have coronavirus? What if my baby gets coronavirus? What if I have coronavirus and I can't meet my baby because I have to quarantine? And it's all because these neighbors came to visit. And next thing I know, I hear someone coming up the steps. And it's my neighbor, and she wants to talk to me. I was annoyed that I was even put in that situation. I really, really wish that she had just walked past our house and not even put us in this situation. But here we were. Normally, I would have invited her to sit down and even have a glass of wine with me while I cooked. Like, I love having people in our home and having that company but in that moment I didn't I let her stand behind that vacuum cleaner and then we went next door to the coffee shop to get some coffee for our long drive and waiting in line and the woman in front of me placed her order she was waiting for her drink she started shouting at the young girl across the counter who was maybe 19 making her drink because her mask had slipped under her nose. She's like, people are insert explicative <laughs> dying and you need to wear your mask over your nose. And, and it was just like a string of explicatives at this woman's top of her lungs. And then she grabs her drink and she exits the building. After she left, I whispered to the girl, I said, I'm so sorry that happened to you. So there's two populations in this United States at this time. There's those of us for whom computers and technology are central to our way of life. And there's another population of people that for the most part, for people who have jobs and careers where the use of a computer is either minimal or completely non-existent. I happen to know closely people in both of these populations, and so I could see the stark contrast from the very beginning. I immediately saw suicide 
I immediately saw the isolation causing stress, strokes, severe mental anguish. It has started to let up a little bit, but the damage has been so harsh and so silent. And I see a slow recovery for some people. It looks like they can see a future where future income could possibly one day make them comfortable again. For some people, and so many people in this silent population, it's not going to happen again. These are people in their 40s and 50s who have, at this point, no alternative except to work for some fast food place because their industry, their business has been so devastated by this 50% economy. And so... Here we are with the coronavirus pandemic. And I am maddened that people cannot see beyond CNN. It drives me crazy. It doesn't take a lot of research to find out that there are a ton of conflicts of interest in our government agencies. There's a woman that used to be the head of the CDC, like where Robert Redfield or whatever his name is, is now. She implemented this super expanded vaccination program in the CDC and then went to work for Merck in their vaccination program before she went to work for them, cashed out millions of dollars worth of Merck stock. So while she was implementing these protocols for vaccinations, she was owning pharmaceutical company stock. So this, this is really bothering me. I do see you, CDC. I see your corruption. I'm thinking about how this pandemic has impacted my beliefs about living in the U.S. And I think it's really challenged my belief that we have leaders who are interested in caring for everyone. <laughs> and that's quite a challenge because I'm usually someone who has rose-colored glasses and believes in the best in people. And so I think that the pandemic has instigated a fire within me that we have to fight for our freedom and our democracy and has unsettled me to the core. I helped a friend who was short an employee and I filled in. And after we helped out, you know, we talked about what 
was the worst thing about all of this. And the fact that we're not independent people. We don't live in isolation. Humans are not made to live in isolation. We're not made to be separate. We are required for our existence to cooperate, to have communities. We have to have people who touch each other and breathe with each other and sing together. This is human life. We need to share each other's microbiomes and air and speech and skin. All of this society living together requires that. It's not a choice just to separate it and make everyone sterile from each other. That's not a living option that promotes life. It's the opposite of that. This is a path toward killing people. I have yet to hug many people. And there have been huge moments in my life and in their life since this has all begun. And all I want to do is hug them to connect, to say, I get this, I understand, or to say, thank you, or just to say, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for me. Like, ah, this is great. Nothing, nothing. All of these huge life moments have gone by and not one hug from several people. And I see them all the time. And I just like, I have to wave, keep my distance because, you know, I want to respect them. Sometime around 2016, I heard that Bob Dylan was winning a Nobel Prize for Literature and uh, gave me the impression that he must be a lot better than I give him credit for in some way that I couldn't understand. But about a year ago, I was introduced by accident to one of his songs, The Ballad of Hollis Brown. It was a shocking ballad, a shocking song to listen to, about a family. The location is somewhere in South Dakota, who is going through a really hard time. He prayed to the Lord above, oh please send you a friend. Your empty pockets tell you you ain't got no friend. Your baby's crying louder now, it's pounding in your brain. They are in what seems to be complete isolation and in desperation. And it's a tragedy. Way out in the wilderness, a cold coyote calls. Your eyes fix on the shotgun that's hanging on the wall. And when things started shutting down in March and April this year. That song became a recurring memory to me. To the Lord above, oh please, and, you and it became like a, a theme. Your empty pockets tell you you ain't got no friend. Your baby's crying louder now, it's pounding in your brain. 
Way out in the wilderness, a cold coyote calls. Your eyes fix on the shotgun that's hanging on the wall. I'd like to say a huge thank you to Amanda, Christina, Diane, Duane, Joan, and Brianna, whose voices are coming to you from New Hampshire, Arizona, California, Pennsylvania, and Romania. Since the beginning of lockdown, the Transmission Times has been collecting audio diaries from people around the world. But there are many stories we haven't heard, and if yours is one of them, we'd love to hear from you. Right now, we're looking for people of all faiths to tell us What role has your faith played during this pandemic? You can send us your answers in one of two ways. You can record on a smartphone using an app like Voice Memos and email it to us at transmissiontimes at gmail.com. Or you can call 847-354-4163 and leave a voicemail. Thank you. The Transmission Times is created by me, Katie Zemrow.